Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of the Giants huddle Podcast. Presented by PSE&G. Energy efficiency for game time and any time. Brought to you by PSE&G. I am John Schmelk. Today we have our normal Friday podcast. We have our player interview. This week's it's Giants safety Julian Love. Then we have our Dallas Cowboys team specific preview. Todd Archer from ESPN will join Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino for that interview. And then our exclusive one-on-one, the voice of the Giants, Bob Papa, talks to head coach Brian Dable. But first, just a reminder, folks, you can find the Giants Huddle Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms, the Giants mobile app, Giants.com slash podcast. Make sure you go back and check out the previous episode. I talk to Giants legend Carl Banks. Of course, he's part of our broadcast crew. He gives some really good insight into the players heading into the Ring of Honor on Monday night, specifically his former teammates, Joe Morris, Otis Anderson, Rodney Hampton, Leonard Marshall, and the Giants vice president of medical services, Ronnie Barnes. Uh, he talks about them, we talk about the Giants so far this season, and we do a little preview of Monday night, and Carl gives his uh, opinion on how you control Micah Parsons, so make sure you go back and check that out. But let's get to today's episode, and we'll lead off with my interview with Giants safety, Julian Love. And now we're joined by Giants defensive back, Julian Love. And Julian, I think I can call you a safety now, right? Is that fair? <laughs> we always joke at your corner, your safety... Now you're safety, right? Yes, I'm a safety now. That's going to be my tag for sure. All right. So, but let's talk about it. And Wink Martindale always talks about positionless football. It's like the NBA, mm-hmm. right? You got these bunch of six, eight guys and they do three or four different things. Is that fun for you? Do you like that? You know, one game you're a safety, but you're a linebacker. Next game you're a safety, but you're playing the slot. Is that something you like? Yeah, I love it. I mean, that just goes to what I grew up playing. You know, you're just line up at position, whatever suits uh, the game the best at that moment. And you play ball, and that's what I want to be known as, as a guy who's very, very productive no matter where he lines up. Yeah, so it's great. Yeah, and you've been used a lot around the line of scrimmage. You know, last week you guys were playing six, seven, eight defensive backs defending on the play, and you were almost the linebacker next to Tay, right? Were you a little extra sore with all the stuff around the line of scrimmage on Monday? Uh, I wasn't too sore, thankfully. But I did get extra lift in, and I ate extra meal. Um, <laughs> week told me to do that at the beginning of the week, which is I thought was funny, uh, just to get ready for the game. Yeah, and look, and, and you're going to scheme by personnel, right? And this is something that, that I think Patrick Graham did too. And it's funny, I see similarities in the two defensive coordinators and how they think about the game, but also their schemes are very different, right? Patrick, a lot of the stuff was, you know, a lot of zone, keep things in front of you, Wink's a little bit more aggressive. But did the variety of things and, and just the preparation for individual opponents that you've worked on the last couple of years of Patrick Graham help you get ready for the type of ways Wink will scheme specifically for opponents? 
Yeah, I think the biggest help these past two years was just understanding, you know, different defenses. Uh, you want to build uh, a mindset up of all the defenses you might play in the league. Um, Winks is a lot different, so a lot of those thoughts I did have to abandon. Of course, going yeah, yeah. into the year, uh, and he was open about that. Like, you know, guys were making you know some mistakes early on in OTAs because we're thinking in the, you know, all the past stuff. Now, is that uh, just language, or is that even technique too? Uh, I would say technique. Okay. Yeah, technique is the biggest thing. Language, I feel like every coordinator, it's like a, I always tell the young guys, it's like a vocab test. Like you've, <laughs> you you probably played the coverages or the schemes or the whatever um, previously, but it's just always another word. So you got to study up on your vocab to get everything right. But then technique-wise, he just let us know like, hey, I was old thinking we're going to play this way. And he was very patient early on, which has helped now because now we obviously got it down. You know, it's funny. I think going in, you know, we all watched what Wink did in Baltimore. It was so much cover zero, so much cover one and blitzing and all that stuff. And we still see that now. But I also feel like he's mixing in a lot of different coverages in the back end too, which I, I don't think from the outside looking and people expected that. As a player, did you think you'd be doing so many different things in the secondary before he got here? You know, before he got here, no. I, I was, What followed him was, you know, a lot of man pressures. Um, but... Yeah, we've mixed it up. We've we've done a lot of different things. We play almost all coverages that you know is, there is out there. Yeah, and it's been great. And you mix it up. Obviously, one week we'd be playing a lot of man, depending on how we like our matchups. One week we play a lot of zone. Like so far, obviously, we've only played two regular season games, but even through the preseason, we've really mixed it up, which I think is great, and it helps us as a defense. Yeah, that first preseason game, I'm like, all right. Press man, cover zero, let's go. And then the next two preseason games, I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of like yeah. deep zone stuff. This is this is a little bit different now. Yeah, so unique, you know. But he, whatever puts us in the best position to win, that's what he feels his responsibility is as a coach and our leader, really. Yeah, and I think it's it, it's really been fun to watch. How have you worked with Zay in the secondary? You know, your captain, he's wearing the green dot mm-hmm. to kind of work together to bring that group together. You have so many young pieces. You know, you guys lost Aaron Robinson, obviously. You've had to move. Fabian's new. He's come in. Cordell mm-hmm. Flott's a rookie. How has it been yeah. trying to keep everything together back there? Yeah, it's it's unique. You know, I think we have a great approach on how we kind of go about things at, uh me and him working together. Uh, Zay, you know, has been great for us and stepping up as our vocal leader uh, for this entire team. And uh, I have stepped up in terms of just assisting guys and guiding them along and kind of being the nice yin and yang combo uh, of personalities back there. Uh, and we work well together. You know, we're obviously great friends. And it's been a great learning experience for us, understanding how to build a team and really shape it how we would want it to be. Um, because for me, I've been here you know, for the past few years, and I just wanted to go out on our terms, have fun, and change up things. And so far, we've done that, thankfully. How how is the process of disguising back there, Bim? Is coming in. I always thought Winkle really liked the disguise with the front seven, right? Mm. Stand guys up, who's coming, yeah. who's going. But if you guys added some disguise elements to the back end of the defense too, yeah, we have a lot of tools. I would say in our in our tool belt of disguises back there. And some weeks where we we say, hey, we're gonna show it. We're gonna show it. You know, kind of make them think one way or the other. Uh, some weeks we will disguise a lot. If you know the quarterback uh, reads defenses a certain way and. Yeah, it's so fluid, which I think is a common theme. It's really fluid in our scheme and how it goes week to week, which is so fun and tough for offenses to pick up. Well, And I think you have to have smart guys on defense to do that, right? Yeah, 
Oh yeah. And <laughs> I would say smart guys and patience. You know, you can't expect to go in on a Wednesday practice, Thursday practice, as you once you get the install, once you're going through things, expect to be perfect. You expect guys to learn from their mistakes. You know, thankfully we have extra day this week, um, because we play Monday night, and that's what it takes. It takes to limit the mistakes each each day. So by Sunday or Monday, you're clean on what you need to do. Have you gotten to like a Friday and been, or gotten to a Wednesday and Thursday? You're like, oh man, I'm not sure this is gonna work. And then by the end of the week, you're like, all right, this is clicking now. I feel like now I see it. That's such a common thought. Like, uh, <laughs> like, like, uh, I don't know if I love this on Thursday. You know, I would say like you get the tools out, you do a little tweaking here and there. Um, you know, even if you have a, like a rough one on Friday, you're like, okay, let's let's think really think about this. Um, but typically by Friday, things are pretty clean. Ah, very good. Uh, let's talk about your captainship. You've talked about mm-hmm. a lot about how important it was to you, how special you've never been a captain before. Yeah. But now you've been in the job for a couple of weeks. What is it like <laughs> being a captain? Is it everything you expected and more? Yeah, it's been pretty great. You know, at first I would have you know, those internal conversations like, like, should I be doing this a certain way? Should I, like, what's, what's, like, you know, I don't know, like, what the role exactly was. But then I'm like, all right, let's, let's settle down and just be you. And that's why you're a captain. And so in the locker room, I'm just, you know, the same. I go about my work. I try to help guys when they need help. And I try to just, more importantly, show that on the field that I need to lead this team and I need to be the guy for us, um, for, to, in order for us to be successful. Sure. Did part of you have to just let it click in your head? I'm not a young guy anymore. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of a vet now, and that's weird. Yeah, no, it is really weird. This is a young team. I have been here, one <laughs> of the longest people behind, you know, uh, Shep and uh, Saquon's classes. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's very weird. All right, well, let, let's talk about Monday night, and we'll talk about the Cowboys in a second. But first, you know, it's Ring of Honor night. They're bringing guys, they're putting guys into the Ring of Honor at halftime. Mm-hmm. Obviously, on game night, you guys are going to be in the locker room. You mm-hmm. can't think about any of that. But is there any sort of impact on you guys knowing that they're honoring some of the history of this franchise at halftime of that game? Yeah, I think it's a little more electricity going on around the stadium. It's a, it's a fun time, and it's great that we're having you know these legends come back and honoring them. I mean, that's what it all comes down to. That's why at least I play the game, to be – you know, seen in that light one day, hopefully. Uh, and so it's, it's a pretty special night. Obviously, we'll be locked into the game, but the atmosphere, you'll feel it for sure. Some cool unis. In a couple yeah. weeks, you're bringing out the retro blues, but you got the Color Rush Whites on Monday night. Yeah. I love the retro whites. I, I love the Color Rush Whites. What do you think about them? Love them. I mean, those have been my favorite jersey here. Uh, yeah, me too. I, I think they're you great. You know, they're, just, they're, they're a great jersey. They're a great combo. Uh, and, yeah, we've, we've you know, We've switched it up a little bit. We had the gray pants my first two years, and now we have the white away pants. Uh, and, yeah, the, the all-whites, though, is just it hits different, you know? Especially on Monday night and at night under the lights. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it looks nice. All right, Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Cooper Rush, he's not Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. but I think he showed last week in his one game last year that look, he's a competent quarterback. Like he, he knows what he's doing. He knows where to go with the ball. So when you watch him on tape, what do you see? Yeah, I think he he manages the game really well. You know, he makes good throws. He takes care of the ball, uh, and he's been successful. They've they've been they've won some games with him, uh, and so he's a guy we got to be on. We got to know his tendencies and how he operates. Just like just like we would if Dak were playing, uh, and understand how he is and how he defers from Dak. And you know, we're, we're all fully locked into Cooper. And how important is it though to to stop the run on early downs to put him right. in some of those like second and long, third and long, so then Wink can start showing off his you know fancy tricks. Exactly right. We got to win early down. We got to stop the run. You know they have two dynamic backs. Um, they have a you know 
a dynamic playmaker for the past few years at, as in CD at yep. receiver. And so they got weapons, and those are the guys we got to really account for and then understand you know, how it all works together. Final follow-up. Is there, do you have to play differently, maybe even if not technique-wise, but mentally when you see Zeke back there versus Pollard? Because they're both good, but they're different. You know, Zeke, yeah. he gets his pads coming downhill with you now. Look out. But Pollard can break a big one. So how do you alter or change, or maybe you don't, depending on which guy's in the game? Yeah, no, you have to know who's in for sure uh, in terms of how, for me, how I approach like tackling. Uh, they run differently, but they also do some of the similar things, but they each are very uh, unique into what they do. And, yeah, they're, they're both very good backs, uh, and they've been very good backs for them. And so you definitely got to look in the backfield and see who's in to just understand what the what the flow of that play will be. So do you guys like fight about which DB gets the blitz that week in the meetings during the week so you can get your sacks or, or how does that work? You know, there are there have been some arguments uh, <laughs> about you know who's gets credited or who sets people up or like am I gonna go this week? I gotta be you know, uh, whatever. Um, but if you're going, you got to make the most of it. So hopefully you can keep going. Is that something you guys track? Missed sack opportunities from DBs? Oh yeah, missed big play opportunities for sure. <laughs> uh, you got to track those things. Um, yeah, you want to be efficient. J-Love, good stuff, man. Appreciate the time. Hey, thank you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. Giant fans, make sure you're at MetLife Stadium for the next home game, September 26th. The Giants will host the rival Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football. A special Ring of Honor ceremony will take place during halftime, as we just spoke about. Limited individual and group tickets are still available. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat today. That was Giants Safety Julian Love. We thank you for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Now let's turn our attention to the opponent in that Monday Night Football game, the 101 Dallas Cowboys. Our own Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino had a chance to talk to Todd Archer, who covers the Cowboys for ESPN. Giants open up divisional play Monday night when they welcome the Cowboys to MetLife Stadium. Both teams had their games decided by a field goal in week two. And to get more into this matchup, we're now joined by the man who serves as the ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Cowboys, none other than Todd Archer. Todd, you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino here on Giants.com. Appreciate the time. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Yeah, I'm just waiting for the fall to start down here in Dallas. It's 98 degrees or something today. It's ridiculous. <laughs> That is quite ridiculous. Well, perhaps you'll cool off a little bit as you make your way to East Rutherford, New Jersey on Monday night. And I want to start with the quarterback situation for the Cowboys, clearly with Dak Prescott sidelined with the fractured finger. So Cooper Rush comes in. Todd, we saw him get the start last year against the Vikings, orchestrated a game-winning drive to Amari Cooper. And then last week against the Bengals, he puts Brett Maher in position for the game-winning field goal. I know it's a small sample size, but what has impressed you the most, what seems to be him being very calm down the stretch of games when all of a sudden things are on the line here? Yeah, the, the poise. You kind of mentioned it a little bit. It's the poise and composure, and that's something that C.D. Lamb's talked about with Cooper Rush, Ezekiel Elliott's talked about him, that it doesn't seem too big for him. And, you know, a lot of times, like, a, you know, you think of the quarterback, it's the alpha, he'll walk in the room and you know he's there. Man, you would never know if Cooper Rush was in the locker room just because he doesn't, cut that kind of figure he's just 
he's just a normal dude. And, you know, for him to come in in those games, uh, maybe more so against Cincinnati than Minnesota, because when he played against the Vikings, the Cowboys were 5-1. and one. They were rolling pretty good, feeling good about themselves. Obviously, you know, the talent that they had on the offense with Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, all this stuff. Um, the Cincinnati game, to me, when they come out the gate with two touchdowns and their opening drive with nothing but questions on their offensive line and at receiver, and, and for them to be that effective and efficient, I, I think speaks well on Cooper Rush. Now, he's a backup, right? I mean, what this does for Cooper Rush is elongate his career because uh, people always look at these games that he's played in one and say, okay, we can get by a little bit here with this guy. I don't think you ever look at Cooper Rush and say he can be an every, every game starter. Well, having said that, and I know he hasn't made any mistakes in terms of he hasn't thrown an interception yet, but unless I'm misreading this, Todd, I, I've got a chance to watch both of those games. It looks like the game plan when he was in there was extremely conservative, and they really did gear it to a game manager to make sure that he wasn't in a position where he could screw up the game. Yeah, I think there's an element of truth, and I think that's an element of truth for every team who's playing their backup quarterback to, to a large degree. Uh, maybe not some teams when you don't trust your starter as much, uh, that, that you know you might put the lockdown on him uh, a, a little bit. But you know, the, I would say last year they took some chances and threw the ball downfield with him against Minnesota. This one, while they still – I can think of a deep shot off the top of my head to, to C.D. Lamb on the first or second drive. Um, they, they did keep it a little close to the vest. And I think Mike McCarthy's thinking is that's the way they have to play right now uh, with how they're constituted with a rookie left tackle, an unsure left guard, not really knowing what you have behind C.D. Lamb at wide receiver. And even this week, if Dalton Schultz doesn't play, you, you're going with a rookie tight end and an undrafted free agent uh, as their top two guys. So questions there. I, you know, if they were to come out and just chuck it around the yard, that, that probably wouldn't be the most prudent thing to do with your backup quarterback. They, they gave him some easy throws. They, they put him in position to succeed, and they said, you don't need to be Dak Prescott. And, you know, that, that, that was probably the smart and is the, probably the smart way uh, to go about it. As an Absolutely. appendix as an appendix to that question, Michael Gallup, we saw practiced as we discussed this with you on Thursday uh, how much of a difference would he make if he was in the lineup? And I guess maybe a bigger question is, how much do you expect he would play? Still unsure if, if he's going to play, although it certainly seems like they're leaning that way. Um, to, to, he was a full go in practice on Thursday. Uh, but Mike McCarthy said, look, he's not going to come in and play 70 snaps. So it's not going to be full Michael Gallup. It'll be a third Michael Gallup. And I think, again, when a, when a guy who's coming off a torn ACL in January, doesn't have the surgery till February, is going to have just two padded practices going into the first game if he were to play on Monday. Again, the, the smart thing to do, but it, that that gives Rush confidence too that let's say he plays 15 or 20 snaps. That you got a guy who's made big plays down the field uh, and can go up and get the ball for you. The, the, the pass doesn't have to be perfect. You know, th that will give the quarterback some, some confidence as well. I wish I had a better feel. My gut tells me that that Gallup will play, but I don't. I I, I would not put. I wouldn't go to any uh, gambling places to to lay any money down on that one uh, just yet. 
Todd, speaking of uncertainty, you mentioned the offensive line earlier, specifically the left side has dramatically changed because of the injury to Tyron Smith. And of course, Tyler Smith moving over to left tackle. Matt Farniak has been slid into left guard because Connor McGovern is banged up and they brought in Jason Peters right before the season started. How do you think a left guard will play out Monday night? And what has stood out to you about Tyler Smith? Because it seems as if he's held up pretty good based on the competition he's gone up against over the first two weeks. Yeah, I'll talk about Tyler Smith first. It's, you think of a guy who, he didn't take one snap the entire summer at left tackle until Tyron Smith got hurt in one of the final practices uh, of training camp. So I want to say before the Tampa Bay game, he might have had four practices at left tackle. So now you're talking he's had seven. Today would have been his eighth or ninth. You know, he's he's done better than you could expect for a guy who's not seen a lot of time there as a pro. Now, he played there in high school. He played there at Tulsa. He was He's groomed to be the left tackle of the future. With Tyron Smith's injury, that's kind of necessitated him starting that process a lot sooner. But, he, yeah, he's done well. The, the left guard thing is interesting. I, I don't. We won't see Connor McGovern this week. He's a high ankle sprain. He he actually was beating out Tyler Smith for the left guard job in training camp. He couldn't unseat him from that position. But left a, a high ankle sprain in, in the opener against Tampa. He's not going to play. I would. Uh, what's the best way to be kind? Um, Farniak's been okay. Um, you know, this is you know. He, there are times where he's had some matchups last week against Cincinnati was tough going against DJ reader. And I would think the giants would have seen that tape and put a guy over him and say, go after him. Um, but yeah, you know, this isn't the Cowboys. When I think of the, when everybody talks about the Cowboys offensive line and how great it, it has been, I hate to do this to you fellas. The game I always go back to is I think it was a 2014 game where Romo on like the winning drive had back to back or plays and pass plays where he had like seven and a half seconds to throw. He found Dez in the end zone for the game winning touchdown. Um, that's not this offensive line. This offensive line is a little bit different and they, they need to help those guys more, which is run the ball with Zeke, Tony Pollard and get the ball out of your quarterback hand quick. Well, you obviously mentioned the difference in the offensive line, but we do know that Elliott seems to be running the ball pretty well and and Pollard, I think a lot of people have gotten respect for him over the course of the last couple of years, too. So where do you feel the run blocking stands with this team? Can they lean much more heavily on their running game against the Giants team that has actually done very well? Uh, they did great against Henry in week one. And actually, outside of one long run by McCaffrey, they contained him, too. Yeah, and that's they've done a good the Cowboys have done a decent job running the ball. Uh, one of Pollard's plays last week against Cincinnati was deemed a pass because somehow the pitch went forward, uh, even though it was a toss play. Um, and that was a 47-yard gain or something like that. Uh, but that was effectively a run. You know, they they say the, the easy part for these guys is run blocking because you can just get out get out and go. You don't have to sit there and, and withstand the, the pressure of guys. But you know, th this will be a different challenge. Martindale's defense is going to be a different challenge than what they've seen the first two weeks. Uh, Mike McCarthy's talked about that. They've gone back and looked at his time. Obviously, you get the first two games, but they've got, gone back and looked at what he did in Baltimore and, and things that they can try to expect and, and see what happens. And if, you know, are, are the defensive ends going to play? Is, 
is Thibodeau going to be out there? And Ojolari, are they both back? Maybe. Yeah, they're both expected to play, at least trending in the right direction as we're talking to you. Right, and Williams is still a little iffy, but right. might play. Yeah, so, I mean, they know that they got a challenge ahead of them, but, again, it's they're, the Cowboys' pattern for success is through the running game and setting things up that way with play action and doing all that. So they, they're going to – they can play the the – 86 Giants with that front and they still try to run the ball. Now they might be beating their heads against the wall in that situation but that's how they have to win. They have to win by running the ball and they know that that's that's their formula. They can't get into a situation where Cooper Rush is throwing it 50 times. We're talking with Todd Archer, ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Cowboys as the Giants host the Cowboys on Monday Night Football in week three. Expanding upon your point about the dynamics of the rushing attack and how really Tony Pollard is that dual threat guy he can do damage as a receiver out of the backfield, can also run. I think that's a bit of a microcosm, Todd, I would argue, of how they seem to have tapped into their depth chart over the years and gotten some players like Tony Pollard to step up. Case in point, Noah Brown's their leading receiver, and he was mainly yeah. a special teamer, right, over the last few years. And it actually it brings back memories to me, Todd, of Cedric Wilson, who left to go to Miami this offseason because – he was another guy that seemed to step up when Gallup was hurt and Lamb and Amari Cooper. A, what do you attribute to why they've been able to get solid production out of these complementary receivers? And with Gallup potentially coming back, what does that mean for a role that Noah Brown is playing right now? I think for Monday, Noah Brown's role remains the same. He's the number two receiver alongside T.D. Lamb, and they'll mix in. Uh, Michael Gallup with their third round pick, Jalen Tolbert and, and Semi Fajoko, another draft pick from a couple of years ago. So that, that's how I see it playing out uh, Monday. But for Noah Brown, I mean, he has more, more receiving yards through these first two games than he had all of 2020. And he's about 20 yards short of the receiving yards or so that he had all of last season. So, yeah, he's, he's a guy that's been around. This is his sixth season. Uh, he's been around here as a special teamer. We, we joked him the other day that he was kind of playing tight end at times because they, you know, Jason Garrett asked him to block so much and be a lead blocker for Zeke at, at times. Um, but you know, the, they like his ability as a receiver and, you know, people will never remember this, but his, you know, last year at Ohio state, he had a four touchdown game against Oklahoma. Uh, and actually he's a Jersey kid too. Um, he, he's, he's a better than you think, but some of it, I think might be a product so far of the attention that's paid to CD lamb. And especially in that first game where, where he got nothing going with just the two catches. Uh, but yeah, Kellen Moore has done a nice job at since become a coordinator of finding that under the radar guy, you mentioned Cedric Wilson. He's one of them. Noah Brown might be in that same path of finding roles for those guys to succeed. While, but what's different this year though, is there's no Mari Cooper. You got Gallup coming back from injury. Like they don't need that. They they need more than a complimentary player. They need sure. a bona fide number two, and that's why Gallup's return is so crucial to this team's success. So the faster he can get up to to full speed, the better off they'll be. Todd, let me ask you about the defense here because obviously you know the Buccaneers are very well respected, but Cincinnati, despite going to the Super Bowl last year, had a miraculous run given the fact that their offensive line was actually more than pathetic and and quite frankly I look at that last week and I say to myself 
well, how good is the Cowboys' defense? Yeah, they played well against the Bucs, but I don't know. I mean, beating up on that Bengals offensive line doesn't prove anything to me. Now, Parsons has four sacks, and all four sacks, he went one-on-one and beat his guy in a solo blocking situation. No double team and no chip. Where does this defense realistically stand after two games? Yeah, that's fair to say there are some questions, but if the Cowboys are going to win, it'll be the, 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 it'll be because of their defense and how this is how they're constructed now. Gone are the days where it's been about Romo and Witten and Des Bryant and, and Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott and uh, Mari Cooper and all this. This is a this is a defensive led team, and you know Micah Parsons has 15 pass rush wins uh, in that metric according to Next Gen Stats. That's as much or more than seven teams in this league through two games. So he's doing something right, and. and you know, the, the, yeah, the Bengals line struggled mightily. But part of the reason why they struggled mightily is because the Cowboys can throw a lot of guys at you. And one thing that's changed this year with Dan Quinn is the multiple looks that he's given up front. It's not just, here's where this guy's going to be, here's where that guy's going to be, and here's where this guy. These guys are moving all over the place. There was one set where they just had one down lineman. Everybody else had their hand, uh, was standing up. It, it, was, it was different from when, for as long as I've been covering this team, you know, from, from Parcells to Wade Phillips uh, to Jason Garrett, you know, the different defensive coordinators, you could pretty much know where everybody was going to be. Now it kind of, where's number 11? Okay, he's here. Wait a minute, DeMarcus Lawrence is right next to him? Okay, well, what are they going to do here? So they're, they're doing a lot of different things up front that have confused both offensive lines that obviously have issues. Tampa has played, is playing without a bunch of their guys. The Bengals have, have struggled out the gate protecting Joe Burrow, and you know we'll see if it can if it continues uh, against the Giants. But the Cowboys, you know, they'll they'll hang their pass rush uh, out there against anybody and think that they're going to win. I will say this, Todd: the attack mentality to cause confusion uh, on the offensive linemen and quarterback, et cetera, is obviously something we're very familiar with because that's exactly what Wink Martindale does with the Giants. Yeah, and, and look. You know, think about when DeMarcus Ware was here, you know, for a good port. You knew where he was lining up, right? He was going to be on the right side of the line going against that left tackle. Well, now you don't, you know, Micah Parsons against the the Bucks lined up over the left tackle. Guess what happened against the Bengals? Lined up against the right tackle. Uh, and sometimes he's lining up in the, in the A-gap as a, as a linebacker. So that, that guy, Parsons is... I've covered DeMarcus Ware. Uh, I've covered Sean Lee was an outstanding defensive player here. This guy is trending into one of the best players defensively the Cowboys have had. And look, he's played 18 games. I don't want to go that far, but he's trending in the right direction of where this guy can be in team history for sure. And if, 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 you, if you're up there with guys like Randy White, DeMarcus Ware, Bob Lilly, all the way back to the beginning, that, that's a pretty good place to be. And I always come back to this. If J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan weren't gone, the Cowboys weren't taking Micah Parsons. So sometimes the, the, the sometimes luck plays a part in this whole thing. Absolutely, and they certainly have taken advantage of his skill set, as you mentioned, with what Dan Quinn is running. I think what's interesting, though, Todd, to expand upon your point about how they've been moving him around, you would think, okay, well, other guys are really going to be able to benefit from the attention that Parsons is getting and the confusion that he's creating. And it seems as if, I know it's only been two games, but 
Demarcus Lawrence, production-wise, has been relatively quiet. He doesn't have a sack. Dorrance Armstrong, you could say, has been a little bit more productive than him. Why is it that Lawrence maybe hasn't really gotten into midseason form at this point? And how much do you think perhaps eventually things will shift as teams pay more attention to Parsons that maybe it will open up for some of the other personnel up front? Right. I think that's the counter, right? If as soon as teams realize we need to start doubling and chipping this Parsons guy, that opens things up for, for Demarcus Lawrence. He talked to us today outside the locker room and said, you know, when he was lined up the inside of him attacking the Cincinnati line, he got doubled and that left Micah one time ultimately free. He wasn't touched by anybody because they were blocking down on him. So I think he, you know, that that's the Cowboys belief. If, if people, teams want to start taking away Micah Parsons as a pass rusher, that Lawrence is a guy that can still be productive. And he's been productive against the Giants throughout his career, although mostly with, with Eli, I think. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but he, he, he's enjoyed playing against Eli over the years. Um, and, and his run defense is still very good, although you don't pay a guy what you're paying to like that to just be a run defender. He does have to get more sacks and get more pressure and affect the quarterback more. And I think he would even say that, but I don't, I don't think they're looking at it as he's falling off. I think it's more Micah Parsons has just been outstanding and, and unblockable that he's gotten there before Lawrence. And, you know, they, they had four guys of their six sacks. Four, they came from four different players uh, last week against Cincinnati. So Dorrance Armstrong had two. Uh, Dante Fowler had a sack and a forced fumble and Leighton Vanders had a sack too. So they feel like they can get, home with multiple guys their second round pick sam williams had a tackle for loss in the game and you know they they feel like they can roll eight or nine deep and and still be really effective uh against offensive line so donovan wilson has the only takeaway for this defense through two games and last year this was an absolute turnover machine of a defensive unit what have you seen from from the back seven that makes you believe either they could do that again or maybe won't be able to do that again? Yeah, could, I don't think – I mean, they had 34 takeaways last year. I, I don't know how you repeat that, right? But I, but I think the first couple of games is Brady's a guy who doesn't really make mistakes. It's hard to get picks off him. Wilson's pick was a, was a really good play in that game. And then Burrow is a guy that he'll eat the ball on you and, and not throw in, a, in a harm's way. Um, so I know that's one thing that's kind of bothered Dan Quinn through the two games. They've, they've not been able to get the takeaways, but to expect that high number again, I just don't think that's realistic. And they're playing probably more sound defense than they did a year ago in terms of not giving up the big play. They can give up a play of 20 yards or more against the Bengals. And look, they've, and they've only given up two touchdowns in two games. So I don't, I don't, I don't think you'll see Diggs with 11 picks on the season, but I don't think you'll see him get two either. I, I think you kind of revert to the mean here a little bit and he'll end up with five or six. And, and by, over the course of the season, he'll, they'll generate enough takeaways. But last year was just ridiculous. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. If you're looking for a reason why they went 12 and five, that was probably it. Cause they had what six, six or seven defensive or special team touchdowns and all of those takeaways created more opportunities for that offense to put up points. So I think that was more of a, more of a, you know, strike of lightning than it was something that, that they 
that they can count on doing over and over and over again. And based on NFL history, to your point, Todd, we very rarely see teams be able to duplicate that success, at least number-wise, in consecutive seasons. But it certainly helped field position. And that brings me to special teams, because while the kicker is back, Brett Maher, from a few seasons ago, and they still have their Pro Bowl punter, Brian Anger, I want to focus on the return game. Cavante Turpin, who's a name that I think a lot of people in the NFL are unfamiliar with, an undrafted player who now finally seems to be getting his opportunity. and has that big playmaking ability, how much of an opportunity are they really trying to get him to break one open? And given the Giants special teams has had some mixed results over the first two games, how much do you think he's knocking on the door to maybe getting to that point that he could put his name on the map here? Fine, he played for the New Jersey Generals. How do people up there not know who he is from the US? Oversight NFL, right? on I mean, my part, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, they they think he can be dynamic when he gets the ball in his hands. He had a, a touchdown, he had a kick return and a punt return for a touchdown in the preseason against the Chargers. Uh, had a end of the first half, a, a punt return and set up a, a field goal. And, a, and on their last drive of the game, a decent punt return. The kick, re, the kick return game, let, let's be honest, is blasted out of the end zone on any of these guys. And sure. you don't need to worry about anything. It seems like th that, that mitigates the return game. But they believe if they can get him in space in the punt return game, that, that he has a chance every time to, to break one. And last week we saw him involved more in the offense for that same reason. He's, he's, he's fast, fast. He's not just fast. He's like, yeah. he's fast, fast. Now he's 155 pounds. So if you get him, you got him, but the, the trick is getting him, uh, getting to him. And you know, if, if I'm a special teams coach, I'm doing what, what I just said. Hey, to my kicker, just, just blast it out of the end zone. Don't even worry about it. And then I'm telling my punter, put it next to the sideline. And now I have visions of Tom Coughlin going after that punter. That, Matt after, Dodge. Uh, yep. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, now I, got, I have that image going to my head. But I'm, telling, I'm telling my punter, put it next to the sideline and let's not give this guy an angle to, to get anywhere up the field. I tell you, Todd, between the Tony Romo, Des Bryant references, Matt Dodge, you're, you're well read on your Giants archives and your history. I didn't think we were going to get these gems out of you over the course uh, of this conversation. Well, <laughs> well, my dad, I grew up in Massachusetts. My dad was a Giants fan. So uh, I, I go back to the Bob Carpenter uh, playoff days there, right? And uh, the, was that early Parcells? And, uh, yep. Right, Frank yeah. was early. That was Parcells' first year they made the playoffs in '83. Actually, so, that was Ray Perkins, but Bill Bill was Ray uh, Perkins. Okay, Bill was shortly after that. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's where that's 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 my first memories of the Giants, and and then when the Cowboys drafted uh, Rob or Bobby Carpenter in the first round, I was like, oh my god, now I'm really old. <laughs> and the only thing Dallas fans need to know is that Everson Walls got his Super Bowl ring with the Giants. <laughs> But they'll counter and say he still lives here, so. I got you. <laughs> He'd rather live down in Dallas. <laughs> the rivalry is alive and well based on that, and we'll leave it there. He is Todd Archer, who covers the Cowboys for ESPN, their NFL Nation reporter. Todd, greatly appreciate the time and the insight, and we look forward to seeing you on Monday night at East Rutherford, New Jersey. Thanks for hopping on. Thank you. You got it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, Giant fans, the Giants' official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. All right, folks, we thank Todd Archer. Great insight on the Dallas Cowboys there. Now let's turn our attention to the head coach of the Giants, the voice of the Giants, Bob Papa. Had a chance to talk to Brian Dable. We're joined by the head coach of the New York Giants, as we always are, Brian Dable. And, uh, Coach, this is uh, that first division game that your team gets a chance to play, and I know the juices are flowing even extra charge considering that it's under the lights and it's the Cowboys. Yeah, I think we've had a good week of practice. That The guys are, are ready to play. Um, you know, we're going to have to do the things that we need to do to, to help us win the game and, and control our emotions. But uh, certainly excited about this one and, and looking forward to it. Coach, um, obviously you guys have been, found a way to win each of the first two weeks. Just talk about the growth that you see in your team. And are they starting to develop a personality, uh, a sort of DNA that you know you can hang your hat on certain things? Yeah, they've been a good group to work with really since back in OTAs and, and training camp. I, I think they you know, have a good mindset for what we're about. They're high-character players. Uh, it's not always perfect, but you know you, the thing you appreciate about them is they just compete for 60 minutes and uh, just go to the next play as quickly as they can and, and not really play the scoreboard but, but play for the competition and, and trying to beat you know, the man in front of them on each play. Um, it's a good group. Um, they're resilient, and they're competitive. Dallas is coming off a win last week against Cincinnati. They get a late field goal, a 50-yarder to win it. Um, Cooper Rush is 2-0 as a starting quarterback with the Cowboys. Started last year against Minnesota on the road and won. Beat Cincinnati last week. In his starts, he's hit 61% of his, uh, his passes. What are some of the things as you studied him this week that have impressed you the most? Well, it looks very comfortable in, in the offensive system that they run. He makes good decisions with the football. I, I don't think anything's been too big for him, only playing in these two games. He's acquitted himself very well, and uh, you know he's led the team down to, to win games when he needed to win them, um, and you appreciate that. He's an accurate passer. Uh, I think he has a bright future in this league. The Cowboys have always hung their hat on their run game, especially behind Ezekiel Elliott. But now they have Pollard in there as kind of a mixture. The two of them combined really present problems for defense, don't they? Yeah, and you have to know which one's in the game. And, and there's times where both of them are in the game. Um, they are, you know, both of them are very talented. Uh, you know, Pollard, they use them a little bit more in space. Ezekiel downhill one cut runs but you know they they can run they can pass protect they can you know do stuff in the passing game you know that starts with you know they're up front players um, on the offensive line to, to get these two guys going uh, and again who's in the game maybe both of them are in the game I think they use them well and then you got C.D. Lamb as a guy who can make big plays in the two starts that Rush has made He's averaged 93.5 yards per game receiving, so it's someone that Rush feels comfortable with. And then they have a bunch of guys that are kind of fine in their way. A New Jersey native, Noah Brown, had his first touchdown catch of his career last week. So they're kind of mixing and matching as they work their way through some injuries. Yeah, I think that the, you know on the perimeter, it obviously starts with CD. They look for him a lot. Uh, critical situations, third down in the red zone. 
Uh, they move him around a lot, which, you know, he's played backside in a three-by-one. He's lined up in the number three spot, the number two spot, the number one strong. Uh, they motion him quite a bit. Um, so he's a guy that, that, you know, we have to do a good job against. And I would just say, you know, with, with the other players, um, you know, whether that's Noah or they, they throw Turpin, Turpin in there once in a while, um, you know, who's a, a dynamic returner but also has a skill set on offense that you can use. Um, and then we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens with Gallup, um, you know, if he's out there. And I know he practiced this week. And, you know, we try to prepare for all those guys and, and recognize they all have strengths. Go to the other side of the ball, and obviously it starts with Micah Parsons. It doesn't end with Micah Parsons, though, because, you know, they've got Van Der Esch in the middle. They've got Demarcus Lawrence. They've got, uh, you know, Trevon Diggs on the outside. they got a talented group on the defensive side of the ball, and, and they've, they've played well this year. Uh, when you take a look at how they've performed, just talk about the challenges that they're going to face for you guys offensively. Yeah, I mean, you, you watch them the first two weeks against against Tampa Bay and, and Cincinnati. I mean, they, their defense has, has been very stout. They're fast. They're athletic. Um, obviously, everybody talks about Micah, and rightfully so. He's one of the premier players in our league. But Demarcus Lawrence, um, Fowler, Barr, Van Der Esch, you know, you talk about those front guys that got an experienced group that are that are fast and, and play that way, and they rotate a lot of defensive linemen in the game. And, you know, on the back end with Trey – uh, just a, a very good corner who's a ball hawk. Um, they've done a good job of, of really, you know, shutting down, you know, Brady and, and the Bucks and, and Cincinnati with Burrow and those guys. Um, you know, they're they're very, very um, good defense, and it'll be a big challenge for us. Coach, final question. Obviously, the fastest route to the postseason is to win your division. This is a home division game. Um, do you put extra importance on it? No, I, I think everybody understands the importance of it. Each game in this league is important, and we know division games, you know, sometimes, you know, you think of them as counting like two. But uh, I think that the thing that's most important for us is is doing the things that we can do and controlling the things that we can control, which has been what we've done this week. And, and now we're going to have to go out there and make good decisions as a coaching staff, and we're going to have to play well um, in terms of the players. So, um you know, every game is important in our league. I don't think we can get too far ahead of ourselves. It's it's the next one, and that's the mantra I want to have. Coach, best of luck tonight, and thanks for the time as always. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate you. That's the head coach of the Giants, Brian Dable. We thank him for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast, along with Julian Love and Todd Archer. And remember, folks, go back and, again, listen to that Carl Banks episode. It's the one prior to this. We might even have a bonus Giants Huddle Podcast coming your way. Uh, later on this weekend, working on something. Uh, maybe ESPN might give us somebody to talk about the game on Monday Night Football. So make sure you stay tuned for that as well. As a reminder, the Giants Huddle Podcast is presented by PSE&G, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Brought to you by PSE&G. Thanks for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast, everybody. We'll see you next time. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. 
Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details.